Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Hey, I have good news this morning, and I know you're going to be pumped about this. I looked on Google this morning, and it is only 173 days until summer. Yes. That's, that's worth a little bit more clapping than that. What are you, a bunch of snow lovers out there? What? Hey, my name is Josh. I'm the student ministries pastor here at Radiant Life Church. We are glad you could be with us today. Uh, we're just, we're pumped. I love being here. I love that you guys are here. Hey, I'm going to pray, but uh, just a reminder to uh, fill out that connection card, that little slip of paper on the bottom of the slip of paper that you got handed when you came in this morning. And uh, don't forget to take a selfie with your neighbor. Be all like, I look so good even though I'm freezing to death. Da, 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 da. Hashtag Radiant Life CH. Winter in Michigan. <laughs> Go ahead and check in on your social media. <laughs> this is why they don't let me come up here very often. But hey, I'm, I'm going to pray and then we're going to continue to worship. Father God, thank you. Lord, you are faithful, just like the changing of seasons. We thank you for your faithfulness. We ask that you would just allow us to enter into worship this morning. Amen. A mustard seed. Something so small, but when planted, it grows and grows, and there is no stopping it. That is the kingdom of God, and nothing can stand against. Nothing can stand against, because Jesus is king, and God is the great I am. And the great I am is stronger than any brokenness, any pain, any hurt, or things you cannot comprehend. Any wrong things, he will make right, and all darkness will be overcome with light. That is the greatest part of the puzzle. What God first spoke in the beginning, let there be light, the world will know again, and peace, shalom, will be restored because when something like that is planted, it grows and grows, and there is no stopping it. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see everyone here on this wonderful snow-filled Sunday. How many of you love the snow? How many of you despise the snow? <laughs> all right. We all love each other still. All right. Hey, we have been journeying together on a series titled Puzzle, piecing it all together, trying to figure out what in the world is God's story. How does 66 letters make one story? And today we wrap it up titling it The End. And here's what's beautiful about the end. Jesus is coming and he wins. There you go. All right. Hey, we're dismissed now. You know the story. <laughs> Jesus is coming and he wins. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is coming. Turn to someone else and say, he wins. Hey, we want to look at the last book of the Bible real quick. It's going to be a shorter teaching this morning. You all should have walked in with a timeline of our entire teaching series, piecing it all together there with a pen. We're going to refer to this in about 15 minutes, okay? So hold on to that. If you didn't get one, there's going to be extras at our Welcome Center out in the lobby. If you did not get one or you want a couple more, these are there for you. Free Merry Christmas, okay? We're going to look in the book of Revelation if you want to turn there, it's the last book in the Bible, in God's Word. So if you have your biblical text or your phone or iPad, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. And what we're going to get here is that this is a letter by the guy by the name of John. 
John is on the island of Patmos. He's in prison, and he's getting this revelation, this dream, this vision from God of what the end of the world is going to look like. And we get something that's very clear yet terrifying to us at the very end of what's going to happen with this earth. So Revelation chapter 21, we're going to start in verse 6. This is what it says. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. Referring to heaven, he's showing John all of it. If you are victorious, you have all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. In verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And John, through God's vision, makes it extremely clear that there is a heaven and a hell, that those who follow Jesus will have an opportunity to spend eternity with him, and those who do not, they will be separated for eternity in a place called hell. And for many of us, we don't like that. We don't like to talk about hell. We don't like this idea that there possibly is a loving God who sends people to hell. Can I correct that theology? God doesn't send anyone to hell. You and I have free will to follow him. You follow him, God says, my promises will come to You have eternity with me, but it's your choice to follow me if you're going to follow my son or not. And so it's on us. It's not God. God breaks God's heart knowing that there will be people, his sons and daughters, spending eternity away from him. God desires everyone to come into relationship with him. And there are those out there that believe this wishful thinking idea and this thing called universalism, where everyone will get to heaven, that God won't send anyone to hell, that everything will be roses at the end of life, and everyone is spending life in eternity with him, no matter how you lived your life. And I like wishful thinking. I like thinking that as I get older, my body will get younger. Anyone else? Yeah, we like that idea, right? You can be 50 and have a body of an 18-year-old still, right? Or something like that. We, we have wishful thinking. I wish there were no taxes, Those annoying little things. I wish there's nothing called cancer that devastates families and people. But in order to, and that's all just wishful thinking, it's not reality. But in order to get there to a place where you don't believe in a place of heaven and hell, you have to look at the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, and look at it and say, if I don't believe this, well, then you might as well just turn in there and begin to rip out the pages. And if you can't believe what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation, then you can't believe anything John wrote. John wrote the entire book of Revelation, so you might as well look at the entire book of Revelation and throw that out because you don't like it. 
John wrote the gospel of John. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He wrote the life of Jesus. And if you don't like heaven and hell that John writes, well, then you got to go to the gospel. His gospel here, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. You might as well rip those out because you can't trust that either. And John then writes 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. You can't trust that. So we got to find his other letters in the Newer Testament and rip those out. And then you, one of the things that John did is he hung out with Peter. Peter writes first and second Peter. you got to rip those things out in your Bible because we can't trust that because we don't like it because it doesn't fit our beliefs and everything. So rip that out. And then you can't trust the book of Acts because Peter preaches in the book of Acts to the new church. So turn to the book of Acts because you just can't trust it because you don't like this idea of heaven and hell. So take the book of Acts right out of there as well. And then... Oh, the book of Acts talks about the life of Jesus because that starts the early church. You can't then believe Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We already took John out. So you got to take out all the Gospels that write about Jesus because we can't trust that either because we don't like the idea of heaven and hell. So go to the Gospels, beginning, here we go, and just start ripping those out. And then, oh, you can't trust Isaiah because Isaiah references Jesus. So you got to turn to the Older Testament and find the prophet Isaiah and rip Isaiah out. And he writes a lot of good stuff, but we can't trust him because he talks about Jesus and we don't like that theology of heaven and hell. And we rip that out as well. My question is, how many pages do you have to rip out in order to get to your belief system? And you're ripping out the same pages that give you hope that gives you forgiveness, that gives you restoration, that gives you redemption, that offers you grace and mercy and second and third chances. I didn't really rip up a Bible. Chill out. It's just an old book of mine. <laughs> I can't. Some of you are like, oh, hey, can I have my Bible? Thank you. All right, take a sigh of relief now. All right, some of you are like, oh. I can't do that. But that's what we do. Just because we don't like that idea, we just say, I don't like it. You can't throw out what you don't like without throwing out the whole thing then. This is what C.S. Lewis says on the doctrine of hell. He says, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out their past sins and at all costs to give them a fresh start, smoothing every difficulty by offering every miraculous help. But he's done so on Calvary. To forgive them, it will not be forgiven. To leave them alone, alas, I'm afraid that's what he does. And we can't get away from the doctrine of hell. It's there. There's a place where people will spend eternity away from God if you don't follow who Jesus Christ is. It's all just wishful thinking. And here, but the beauty is, we looked at the book of Revelation and we jumped to verse 6. There's good news in verse 1 through 5. So turn with me, hang on there, at Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. This is the awesome good news. We saw that there's a heaven and hell, but listen about the good news of this heaven that you have a chance to enter. It says this in verse 1. Then I saw, remember this is John, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. 
Now stop, I'm going to correct some theology real quick. What has passed away? John's saying, I'm seeing something. The, the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. We have family members, friends, that we would say they're in heaven right now, spending time with Jesus. Yes, we, we call that heaven. I, I like to call it like intermediate heaven because that's not where they're going to stay forever because John says the first heaven will pass away. This earth where we're at will pass away. There's something else coming. So where our family is, where you and I, if God forbid, if we passed away today, we will be in this first heaven, and it's not going to be that heaven for eternity, that God is going to rebuild the earth, and heaven will be here on earth, and this is where we'll get to spend all eternity with our Father. All right? Does that make sense? And I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I think it's going to be awesome, though. Right? I always have a vision that... Um, any hunters here? And you're like, I'm a really good hunter, all right? Some of you, I'm awful at hunting. I think when I go out in the woods, they run away from me, not to me. I think it's the opposite of what I'm supposed to do. And I don't get out much, but I, I think what I'm going to do in heaven is this. I love moose, a big moose, right? I've always dreamed of having a big old giant moose head in my basement. Just, I want it. I think in heaven, I'm going to be able to hunt a moose and then it get up and shake my hand and start running again, right? Because there's no death in heaven, just like, he's, I think the moose will be like, hey, Ryan, you tried hard on earth, just, yeah, let's just play a game, right? And so I, I'll get my moose, but he'll just get up and start running again, and I'll do it all over again. I think that's what I'm going to do in heaven. But anyways, back to this. Good news is coming, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and God himself will be with them and be their guide. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more what? Death or what? Mourning or? Or? For the old order of things has what? Isn't that beautiful? That we don't have to one day when God calls us to spend eternity with him, there will be no death or mourning or crying or pain. Everything has passed away. This is why I think I'll be able to shoot that moose a hundred times and he still live, right? There's no more death. We're going to have fun with that moose. We're going to call him moosey. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but look at verse 5. I love verse 5. He said, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making what, friends? Everything, Everything new. And jump over to Revelation chapter 22. This is even gets exciting too. Revelation 22 verse 1. Then the angels showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. And can we read this last sentence together, please? No longer will there be any curse. Come on, someone say amen. amen. The entire book of Revelation in 21 and chapter 22 is basically saying what was shattered in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, God is restoring and shalom will be in the new city and on the new earth. Everything has passed away. There is no more curse. 
And that is the beauty of the end of the Bible that we have. And the beauty is that we have, we know how the story ends. We have the book of Revelation. We can read it and understand, try to understand how the end of the world happens. But we have the story. The curse is broken. And look at the top of your timeline. What does it say? It says, making all things new. Because that's what God is doing. He says, there's no more curse. I'm making everything new. He's making it new. But look on that timeline. You see on the far right side, it's that on the bottom there, it says, we are here. Because that's where we are today. We are in that gap between Jesus' life, his death and burial and resurrection, and the book of Revelation. And you and I are in that gap. But you and I are called to carry out God's story to a broken, hurtful, dark, chaotic world. We're not called just into a relationship with God. Calling into a relationship to God is not the end game. It's the beginning for us. And there are Christians all over this world to say, hey, I've got my fireproof insurance from hell. I'm good. I can just come on Sunday and do my thing and forget about God the rest of the days of the week. That's not what God is doing. That God wants to partner with you to carry out his story of shalom to people who are far from him. And that's why we at Radiant Life say, live like Jesus, share his love. Because we can all think of people in our lives right now, family members, our neighbors, co-workers, our classmates, who do not know who Jesus Christ is. And you have the message, and God's saying, I'm partnering with you to continue my story until I come back. How well are you doing that? See, I don't think God ever created this idea of church to be a place to go to. It's a place that we are. You are the church. Go be the church out there. Go bring hope and healing to people through Jesus Christ. We just gather in a building. I've, I'm always telling my kids, hey, yeah, we got to go to church. Dad's got to go to church. And I'm trying to think out, how, what, what's another name we can use it? We blame the Germans for it. The Germans are actually, if you didn't know, the Germans were the first one to call this building church in the 1600s. They were the first ones, actually. And uh, we just gravitated towards it. Now everyone calls the building the church. But I want my kids to understand that they are the church. Go be the church. This is just a gathering place. What we do here is very sacred. It's God-honoring. It brings glory to his name. But what we do here is sacred. This isn't church. The church is us out in the world. So let's go be the church. Here's another incredible thing is um, I want to look real quick at the book of Luke. If you want to turn there in the Newer Testament. Remember you got those four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, who write about the life of Jesus. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 4, and I want to kind of wrap up our time together and our series together with looking at just some of Jesus' final words that he speaks in Luke chapter 4. Luke 4 verse 43 is where we're going to hit. I love this conversation that Jesus has. Um, here's what he says, Luke chapter 4. I must proclaim the good news of the what, friends? Kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. 
If you were here last week, we looked at the book of Matthew. Remember, Matthew's writing to Jews, so he calls it the kingdom of heaven. Luke's not writing to uh, the Jews, so he uses the kingdom of God interchangeably. It's the same thing. But Jesus is telling everyone, hey, this is who I am. I can't just stay with you because Jesus is doing awesome things, and everyone just wants to hang around with him. Right? You're an incredible teacher. We see the healings. We want to know more about this God and who you are. And he's like, hey, I can't. I got to go to the other towns because I have to proclaim this good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I was sent. And for 2,000 years, the Christian church across our globe has been preaching this message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I think it's time in 2017 to start living out the message of Jesus Christ. Stop just hearing about it and thinking we're good coming into a place on Sunday morning. Let's go out and live it 24-7 in our jobs and in our neighborhoods and in our family gatherings and in our schools and on the sports field. Let's go proclaim the kingdom of God to other people. And so many times we think, this is a good idea, but it's not for me. If you follow Jesus, it's for you. I can't do it. You can. I never thought I could be on stage before. I remember being in high school in a communication class, and I hated doing those speeches. If you're my communication teacher, I loved you, though. You were a great teacher. But I hated getting those speeches. I was like, I can never public speak. I can't do this. Don't tell, what, don't tell God what you can't do because he'll make you do it. That's what I've learned in life. He wins out every time. You lose. But it's time for us to start living this out. Because we're in the gap from when Jesus was coming to the end, when he's coming again to bring people into eternity. This is us in the gap. And we have to go out and reach lost people. Jump over to Luke chapter 17. He has an incredible conversation with this group known as the Pharisees. So turn to your neighbor and say, Pharisee. Pharisee. Now these, these group of people during the time of Jesus, they were like the religious leaders, but they also had a political stance as well. They were high on the political chart. And he's going to have a conversation in Luke chapter 17 verse 20 with a Pharisee. And they want to know more about this kingdom talk, why you were sent, and all this. And this is Awesome. Once on being asked by the Pharisees, that religious political group, when the what again, friends? When the kingdom of God would come, right? They want to know, Jesus, you've been talking all about this thing. When is this thing really going to come? This kingdom thing, right? This powerful thing. Jesus replied, the coming of the what? The coming of the what? Is not something that can be observed nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your what? Jesus is saying, listen, Pharisees, it's not something you're going to observe. It's not something that's here or there. I'm it. And it's in your midst. It's my presence in your life. Tom Wright, a, a scholar that's one of the best scholars in the Gospel of Luke, write something about this statement of what Jesus says that I think radically transforms the way we may view this, about the kingdom of God is in your midst. Let's look what he says. He says this, the phrase is more active. It doesn't just tell you where the kingdom is. It tells you that you got to do something about it. 
It is within your grasp. It is confronting you with a decision, the decision to believe, trust, and follow Jesus. It isn't the sort of thing that's just going to happen so that you can sit back and watch. God's sovereign plan is to put the whole world to rights, is waiting for you to sign on. That is the force of what Jesus is saying. Grab your pen that you were given this morning. I love what Tom Wright says in this idea. It's not just something that you sit back and watch. It's waiting for you to sign on. I want you just to grasp it and just let it, get it in your hand and just look at it, hold it. The pen says co-writing the future. What God calls us is to follow him and partner with him to go co-write his story. That God has allowed that opportunity for you and I to into that partnership to bring shalom to those who are hurting and broken. My question for you is, have you signed on? Have you taken and talked to God and says, God, I'm all in. I'm holding nothing back. I'm jumping in. I am all in. And I'm co-writing the future with you. Have you signed on yet? Or have you just been very passive with this kingdom idea? Towards the end of your life, if you, if you were given a book, and this book represented your entire life, and if we, to, we were this morning to just thumb through the pages of your life to see what was your life about, what was your story, what would it say? What would it be like if we got to December 10th, 2017, and we looked at what you did this morning, but more importantly, that's today, what would you want the following pages to say about your life? If your kids read your life story, what would it say about you? What would it say that you lived for? What would your grandkids and your nieces and nephew begin to read about you? That if they were to sum up the book, they would say that they lived for this. What would your family say? What about your neighbors? Friends? Because God's called us to partner with him to be great kingdom writers. To continue to write his story until he comes back to earth. So this morning, I want you to grab that timeline. We all should have got one this morning. Go ahead and grab it. Again, this is our gift to, to you. If you want extra, they're out there. But I want you to turn it to the back where it's blank.
And I want us to all grab our pens out that say co-writing the future. And I want us to, this morning as we wrap up our time together in this series together, I want us all to make just a declaration to God. I want us to write this statement on the back of our timeline. I will write a great kingdom story. So go ahead and take, take a few moments and write that down on the back of your timeline. We're all doing this. So I want you to be able to keep this timeline somewhere if you ever get confused again of what's God trying to do that you can refer to this. But when times get rough, you forget who this God is, flip that over and remind yourself that I'm writing a great kingdom story. It's not your story, it's God's story. It's about bringing his kingdom here on earth. So will you turn to someone around you, I don't care who it is, and just tell them, I'm ready to write a a great kingdom story. I'm ready to write a great kingdom story. Here's what I want to do as just a declaration this morning to say, hey, God, I am all in. I'm ready to write this story with you, partnership to bring shalom to the broken world, to the chaos that's in our families and in our workplaces, wherever it is. Would you just lift this up in the air? Just lift this up in the air, and we all have this that says, I will write a great kingdom story. And we want to declare this to God this morning, that here at Radiant Life, it's not about us, it's all about your kingdom. It is all about writing God's kingdom. This book and the end of our life will say it's not about us. It was always about God in the first place, that we lived for him, not ourselves. Amen? So let's declare this to the Lord. Everyone, keep it up and let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you see all of our hearts that we're going to write this great kingdom story. This life is not about us. It's about bringing your shalom to people who are far from you. And I pray in our hearts as we truly mean this that you would give us the courage and give us the strength in order to truly live this out, in order to truly partner with you to continue to write the story. Yes, your Bible has a cover and an end page, but we're still here writing your story. And will you give us your power and your presence with Jesus at the forefront of everything that we do? to expand and build your kingdom here on earth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, amen. Hey, one of the beauty things is one day when Jesus calls us back, we will stand before the great I am. We will have to give account of everything we did on earth. Wouldn't that be awesome when we hear from the great I am say, well done, good and faithful servant. You wrote a great kingdom story. There is no power in hell or any who can stand against the power and the presence of the great I am. Amen. Isn't that amazing? You all can have a seat for a minute. My name is Patricia. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. Uh, In a second, we're going to have the ushers come forward and we're going to take up the offering. Uh, But before we do that and before I pray for that, we just want to share a win with you. Pastor Ryan asked the question, are you ready to jump in? Are you willing to co-sign? Are you willing to co-write? And last week, we had 19 people ready to jump in and follow Jesus. And that's something we're celebrating. That's right. 
so I'm going to pray. This would be a great time to put the, that connection card, that slip of paper Pastor Josh was talking about. You can put it in the offering plate when it passes by. But if you're new here, hold on to your card and bring it to our cafe. Pick up a free gift and drink on us. God, we come before you this morning and we just thank you that you are the great I am and that there is no power that can stand against you. We praise you that you are a God who is able, that you are a God who never fails, that you are a God who continues to write and create within us so that we can write your story here where we are at in this place and in this life. We pray that you would just bless this gift and that it would go towards co-writing another great kingdom story. And in your son's powerful name we pray, amen. Hey, if you've been with us for this whole series, you saw that in Genesis, everything went to crap. But even then, God said, hey, I'm able to make something good out of this. And through this series, we've looked at how God restores and renews and redeems all things. He is able to do that. Praise God for that. Hey, a couple of things to be aware of. Next week, we kick off our Christmas series called In the Fullness of Time. This is going to be cool. We're going to be looking at a couple of characters related to the Christmas story. It's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. I'm pumped about it. I hope you're pumped about it. But then the other thing is, today or tomorrow, what I think by tomorrow night, maybe you saw it on our Facebook page, we have a link to a survey. Okay, our January series is going to have a little bit of a fun activity connected to it. So if you're familiar with the game Family Feud, we have a, a Family Feud-esque survey up right now. And this will be open until tomorrow night. So you can go to our Facebook page, find the link. Uh, if you know what a QR code, there's one of those in your bulletin. If you just scan that, that'll take you right to the survey as well. Uh, that's just something that we're going to do to have fun in January. It's going to be a good time. Well, hey, you guys go have a good week. Stay warm out there. Remember, when you're in church, love your neighbor. Love